Hello and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, mentor and coach. This podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories and showing that you're never too old and it's never too late to achieve your goals and change your life. On this podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Nina Barber, Managing Director of Bullsworth, an estate based in Cheshire, which has been home to the Barber family since 1856. Nina's role at Bullsworth involves managing the property, events and venue hire, overseeing the use of the 6,500 acres of beautiful, diverse landscape. While preserving its heritage and history, Nina is passionate about leading Bullsworth into a new era. She has also been described as a force to be reckoned with in the world of horse shows, helping to change the face of equestrian events in the UK. So now it's time to hear more. So let's get stuck into this episode of the Formidable Over 40 podcast. So, hi Nina, it's wonderful that you can join me today. Can you share with us a little bit about yourself? So, I'm Nina Barber, and as you say, I'm the Managing Director of Bowlsworth, which I'm very lucky to have called my family home for most of my life, and is the home to Bowlsworth Castle and the range of businesses we have here, primarily the estate, which is a dairy farming estate in the heart of Cheshire, which has been diversified over the generations and now has a portfolio of commercial property, residential property, still very much underpinned by those dairy farms, which are some of the leading dairy farms in the UK. Cheshire is unfortunately quite wet and <laughs> very suitable for growing grass, which suits Frisian cows producing a lot of milk. So <laughs> that's a very important part of um, the landscape and what underpins what we do. And then the events business, Bowls with Events, which I set up back in 2008. And one of the features that's really close to my heart of what we do here at Bowlsworth. And then, you know, lots of other ventures that we're looking at alongside that. It's all very exciting. And what about Nina outside of Bowlsworth Estate? So outside of Bowlsworth Estate, a lot of what I do ends up being inside Bowlsworth Estate. I have a passion for horses and the world of equestrianism, as you know, and I've been lucky enough to compete myself, both in the world of three-day eventing when I was younger and now in the world of international show jumping. I have a little boy who's now two that obviously takes up a lot of my time, two lovely Labradors, and I love going away to places where the sun shines a lot more than here. <laughs> Definitely where there's, there's a beach and a nice cocktail bar. Yeah, sounds absolutely fantastic. And that's what you need to do. You need to have time for you, especially when you've got such a busy life like you have. So Formidable Over 40 is all about inspiring our listeners who, who may be at midlife, at the crossroads and feeling a little bit stuck. What does Formidable Over 40 mean to you? What do you think of when you think of a Formidable Over 40 woman? I think... You know, when you get to the age of 40, you gain a bit of it all that time in your life. You gain a bit of perspective. And I'll use a bit of an analogy of when I switched from three-day eventing to show jumping, which is very much my hobby. And I do I do it in very little time. And But it's always been a big passion of mine. And it really hit me when, you know... I, I'd, I'd never been particularly brave going cross country or particularly good at dressage, but I always loved the show jumping. And I switched to show jumping, which is a much less friendly world on the whole. And lots of people cantering around looking very formidable. But actually, it, it hit me that I actually could do this quite well. And that this was a sport 
that if you could really focus on what you were doing and what your skill set was, actually, you could potentially outperform, you know, where I thought I would land in it. Mm. And I thought to myself, actually, I'm not bad at this. Actually, the things that I've learned from the other sport that I did, I do dressage a bit better than some of these people. And from observing other sports people within equestrian and within other sports and from that life experience, I actually realised that a lot of sport is about your mindset Mm. and how you approach something. And that can help you outperform potentially your physical strength and ability. So I think it's that point in life where you realise that actually the sum of your life skills can really help build your confidence Mm. and and give you that edge to go and do something better. Mm. And that really you're not a measure of what other people might perceive you of, or, or even sometimes what you might perceive yourself to be, but it's about what you want to be and what you want to achieve and and really reprioritizing things. I think you said a really valid thing then. It's the mindset shift, isn't it? Because there's a lot of midlife women who have given so much to everybody, but you know, and f- tend to forget about themselves. And then they can sometimes be hit with a lack of self-confidence. But when you actually stop and take a step back, like you said, and, and realise what you actually, the skills that you've, you've picked up over the years, the wealth of experience that you, you, you've put into your armour, if you like, that mindset shift of suddenly thinking, hang on, I'm not old. I'm not, I'm not going to step in the shadows. Actually, what I need to do is I need to, to take stock of all of the things I've achieved over these last years and all of the experience and knowledge that I've built up and use this to my power to actually propel myself into the limelight rather than into the shadows. And and I think that's a, a very valid point. And and I think it's that it's it's a huge step in in getting past that crossroads. Would you agree? Definitely. And I think as as a woman as well, there are lots of challenges with becoming a mum at 40. But in in the same way, you've got a much better perspective on it. And I I think that I I can only imagine that in your if you're in your twenties and in a much earlier stage in your career, you, you're much more su- susceptible to what should be the norm, how you should be as a mum. And I think I think that's an important thing because we're not born equal. Mm. You know, it's uh, with respect to, you know, the female in the workplace and, and being a mum. But I think becoming a mum later on, like I say, you've you've got those better skills of how you can manage your time, how you can really prioritise that quality time mm. without necessarily the, we all feel guilty about not not spending enough time with our kids or whatever that looks like. Um, but I think it's probably easier to manage when you're that little bit older as well. Yeah, definitely. So if we just go back in time for a little bit, what would the 15-year-old Nina have been doing? What, what, what were her hopes, her aspirations, her hobbies? What was, what was 15-year-old Nina doing? So I was at a boarding school down south mm. at, at Wickham Abbey in High Wickham, which I didn't particularly like, but I respected it. I didn't like it because it was such a long way from home and I was very rooted at my home in Cheshire and it made it quite difficult to sort of maintain friendships and relationships around home, going off four hours away down to Buckinghamshire to boarding school and it felt very alien to me. However, it was a great school it, it was a real factory for producing results and it gave me the mindset that 
I didn't really know what I was going to do with my A-levels and my exams. I just wanted to do the best I could and get the top grades. And I did. And that was sort of, I always saw that as having that in the bag. Um, At the same time, you know, I had the passion for horses and I spent a lot of time thinking about that and thinking about a career after school where I could take a year out and really, really get a foot in the door of, with the eventing and and the horses and I was lucky enough to then go and spend a year in New Zealand working for Katrina McLeod and you know she was a top level eventer and show jumper at the time in New Zealand and it was for me that was my short-term goal but then I I always knew that I was going to have the opportunity to take on the business at Mm -hmm. home but wanted to go and do something else and pursue that passion first in a world where actually there are lots of life skills to be gained, as I mentioned earlier. So mm. uh, that's where I was at. Now we sort of come to the role of you as managing director in Bullsworth. So you've come that that distance and now you are, as we said, managing director. I mean, what was the journey then? So what was the journey from New Zealand to get you into that role as, as managing director? So I really had a very light involvement in the business at home up until really the time when my father died back in 2007 Mm. and so I would have been about I would have been 27 at the time and then there was time although he died fairly suddenly of cancer you know when when we realized what was happening it was Mm. it was a very quick illness and a horrible illness and it led to his death and but I was very lucky because my parents had a very close relationship and whilst day to day Mum wasn't operationally involved so much in the business. She was absolutely up to speed with what was happening. And we had a transition period where she really took the reins and led the business and enabled me to to gain experience. I think then the next sort of 10 years was a really tricky period because Mm. whilst being put in that position of managing director of our family business, which I obviously knew lived and breathed all my life but at the same time really knew that I hadn't had the formal experience I hadn't gone and spent time in corporate business like in hindsight I would have liked myself to have done and so it was a difficult time to really try and gain that experience and feel like I'd earned that title and it's only really been very recently and probably back to that 40 point Mm. that I've actually thought, no, actually, you know, it's it's my time now mm-hmm. and, and I can and and I've sort of earned the right to. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that must have been a heck of a thing to have been literally propelled into into that that position. I mean, what sort of support did you have to, you know, to as you said that you worked obviously with your mum, but in terms of, you know, yourself and your, your everyday, how did you blend into that position? Well, through great support, and when I say I was immediately made managing director, I was by title, but really I wasn't operating 100% that way because we had a great estate manager who'd worked with us for a long time before my father died Mm. and became the estate manager soon afterwards, really alongside handing over from my mother. And so I did have a lot of support, but equally then it took a bit of time to be in a position to put you know, really shift to putting my own take on the business. Yeah. And actually it wasn't until Matthew, who'd been with us for many years, was given his absolutely ideal opportunity to go and work as the land main land steward for the Duchy of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And 
which was probably one of the few roles that would have prized them away from here, yeah. which was a great loss to us, you know, because he'd been part of the system and the furniture and and so loyal to the business and the family for so long. But it also then gave me the opportunity to shape the business in a different way, restructure things and and change a few focuses. Yeah. I mean, outside of work as well, you, I mean, that's a you've got a huge role to 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 fill and to, to manage the estate. And also you've got a lot going on. You're a mum, you've got your equestrian passion, and you've also got the 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 big shows that you organise as well. How do you juggle it all? How do you sort of manage it all to 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 make it all work so seamlessly? Um, well I've always thrived on multitasking, but it, it's hit me in the last couple of years how important building that team around you is to enable multiple things to really succeed at the same time as each other Mm. and so again the the events company which I launched back in 2008 just after my father died Mm. which of which the initial focus was very much around the horse shows and launching the international horse shows and we got to a point you know a year or two before covid where I realised, you know, there's there's not the, the structure isn't here. If we want to go bigger and better with anything here, um, brand Bullsworth has to mm. get stronger. We have to streamline things we're doing, put systems in, bring new team members in. And it's really taken until now to build that team from a few years before COVID. And with the help, in, in the first year or two, we took on the help of um, Nikki Kavanagh and the Juniper company Mm. who are a strategy company that just helped me put some of the basics in and helped me make a few of the big changes to how we structured the business and really put some structure in and then during and COVID to the present day those systems and improvements and streamlining have been helped by the people who have been put in place and it's only really this year where it's felt like we've made that really important headway and got the three or well four or five key people in place to enable us to take the big steps forward that we've been planning for the last two or three years yeah it's very easy to be creative and think of great plans but the frustration for me has been over the last five years we haven't quite got the system and the people there to make them happen and now I'm confident that we have yeah and it is it's such a valid point isn't it you know especially when you're going through those periods of growth to have those key people in place who who also share the same passion and have the same the same vision as you it's it, it's so important and the one thing i i've i've seen myself over the last few months you've had some fantastic show jumping events at at Bowesworth. um they seem to have been a huge success tell me a bit about those and what is it that you enjoy so much about hosting these wonderful events at Bowesworth? well as as you say it's always been my passion and it's been a bit of a roller coaster over the years as I said before, it rains a lot in Cheshire. And in the early years, we had a terrible, terrible time. You know, every event was so stressful because it was a lottery as to whether it was going to rain and all the lorries would get stuck. Or, um, And now over the last 10 years, we've built and built the infrastructure, helped by hosting Carfest North, which mm. has been a big festival that's run here. And part of their deal has been contributing to our infrastructure. And we're now at the point where we have the all-weather facilities for the sport, we have the all-weather facilities for parking the lorries and a lot of infrastructure and drainage. So it's made all the events we do here a lot more enjoyable mm. because we're resilient 
to a point anyway, but resilient when it the rain falls heavily. This summer has been fantastic because we've had the best Brilliant, summer weather we've had for mm. a long time. Mm. And um, and then our venue, our venue's stunning anyway, but mm. in, in that Spanish sunshine, it was really, really, <laughs> really special. It's been, again, a huge change within the equestrian scene in, in the UK, mainly because of Brexit mm. and the fact that, you know, now a lot of the top riders base themselves overseas a lot less of the European riders come over to compete in the UK mm. because of just the sheer cost the logistics, and logistics yeah. of it. Mm. Uh, and we've been really rebalancing. But this summer was really, really encouraging. Mm. You know, we were full of entries. We had great standard of sport. And it feels like we've rebalanced. We've had to reduce the public side of the events back over COVID, although we were lucky enough to run them behind closed doors. And it feels like we've got back to a really nice platform to then grow the corporate hospitality, bring back different disciplines within this diff- different equestrian sports and, mm. and build on the retail and consumer offer and get back to where we was aimed to be with those mm. events. I mean, you do some absolutely stunning events. I mean, the lights that you had on at Christmas. I mean, I mean, you, what, 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 do you, what have you got sort of moving forward? What, what events are, are coming up for, for anybody interested in visiting Bullsworth? Well, we've had a big um, expansion of the events calendar. Again, we uh, joined forces during COVID with Matt Bates, who headed up another events company that we've worked with a lot on the production of the Liverpool International Horse Show. So we merged the two companies and increased our capability and bandwidth. And this year, we've already had a couple of family events with new family events with movie nights and a summer maze with sunflower picking which will transition into a spooky maze with pumpkin picking, <laughs> uh, circus, fireworks. And again, our, our Christmas lights event, which is which is much more than just the lights trail, there's Santa to visit and fun fair and Christmas market. And the nice thing is we're seeing a lot of crossover of customers to those events. Mm. We'd, it's very easy when you have a niche event, an equestrian event, to think they're just equestrian people. And But actually, they're not. They also have families and businesses. And when we looked at the crossover last year of both the demographic and the customers that visited both events, there was a much bigger crossover than we'd expected. And you learn a lot about, you know, your marketing and your, yes. your the people that, that you're talking to. And we've taken on a really exciting partnership this year with Ticket Tech, who are the equivalent of a... Australia and Southeast Asia's biggest um, promoting and ticketing company. And they're branching into the UK and Europe for next year. Well, as of this year, Mm. partnering with us on some new music events and a new big festival. And so that's very exciting because, again, that increases our capability to go bigger and share risk on some events that previously we would have had to leave to third parties to operate on our site and so lots going on. That's out very exciting. So what's the what what would be the, the future? What's happening next? What are your next big plans for Bullsworth then? So I think the you know the events pillar of the business has been building with the equestrian, very much still a really important core part of that because it also underpins a lot of our premium and business relationships. The property, we're looking at how we do that differently, where we've got opportunities to develop new sites which then brings us into the world of leisure and tourism. And we're, we're fortunate to have a beautiful part of the estate 
on the Sandstone Ridge, which is a, a well-known walking trail. Mm. And it's been put forward to be designated as an area of outstanding natural beauty, which just shows you what sort of landscape yeah, it is. Mm. And we're fortunate to have a couple of uh, currently redundant or very underused strategic sites that sits just around that piece of landscape. And we're building a five-year plan to put in place, um, in the first instance, converting a school and church, which are part of one of the villages on on that site, to create a hub of uh, pub and restaurant, walking and cycling trails, holiday lets and lodges, which then has the potential to really expand over two or three key sites and really um, put us on the map as a, a destination in Cheshire. Very um, exciting. And the holiday, holiday market is really kind of underdone in, in Cheshire because mm. this is a beautiful part of the world yeah. with a lot of attractions in the local area. And we feel there's real potential there. Yes, yeah, so much opportunity and especially with so many people now choosing to, I think over that COVID period, people have really started to appreciate what they've actually got on their own doorstep, haven't they? And, um, you yeah. know, and, and I definitely think that people are more inclined and looking to, to holiday at home. And, and as you say, I mean, Cheshire is absolutely beautiful and, and the estate in itself, it, it is. I mean, what a wonderful part of the of the world, you know. So in terms of um, outside of work, we, we've touched on it a little bit. Of course, I want to know about your horses. So share with me now, what what, what have you got going on at home with the horses? What, what have you got in and, and what are you going to be doing with them? Well, I'm by the nature of the time I have to spend with the horses, um, that it suits me to have older ones that that don't need so much input on a day-to-day basis from me. And we've had a busy summer and had some amazing shows, done some competing here at our own shows, lucky enough to take two of them down to the Global Tour at London, which is always an incredible experience to compete as an amateur alongside those professionals in that setting. Can I just interject there? Because that's a really interesting point there, as an amateur competing against the professionals. I mean, that takes some doing, doesn't it? I mean, you know, when you think about it, you're running this huge operation and and competing as an amateur against the professionals. I mean, we've got to touch on that a little bit. How do you how do you do that basically? Because people are going to say, how does she manage to run that big business? She's a mum to a, a little boy and, and she's competing, you know, at these huge events. Um, and, I, and I know that there's many amateurs suffer with the juggle. How do you manage to, to do that, to, to invest that time to compete at such a high level? I think, again, it comes down to A, being lucky enough to be able to go out and find some quite special horses, finding those horses that you can build a really meaningful and trusting relationship and get to know and you know I'm not very good at hopping on a new horse and going and doing amazing things but I've, I've built up a relationship with a couple of, of the horses that I've got that means that I really know them mm. so as long as I know the minimum I need to do to go and be competitive of a weekend and the time I need to put in but it doesn't really matter if I've I have a period of time when I don't do it. For example, now they're going to have a holiday and I'll pick them up again and aim to do a nice trip in the spring. But I think building that trust and knowing, again, knowing what type of horse you click with. And I end up always riding mares because they tend to be to be braver and they like taking over a bit. And that suits me because I just want to be sitting on horses that I know that 
they're desperate to get to the other side and do their job. Strong and women, strong women. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that they're not going to let you down as long yeah. as they're, they're not lame or hurting, mm. that they're reliable and, and you can go into any arena and they'll say, bring on that challenge. And that, mean, that means that I get to do what I love to do, which is go to a few special places each year. And whilst enjoying the experience, it's also places where you get inspiration from, meet different business people, get ideas from. And that's really, really valuable. And I think to keep in touch when you're trying to, when, well, when we are mm. promoting our own events, and it, it's so important that you understand at the ground level what what people want and what yeah. people expect and where the industry's going. And it's in some ways it's a bit of a depressing industry to try and compete against when you're trying to run the events because so many of those events worldwide now aren't really run commercially, don't have to. And so you've got to be clever about it and just think about the things that you can do to create special experiences for people. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of, I know, Obviously, I've got a coaching business as well. And a lot of my my sort of clients say to me, oh, I really struggle with the juggle. You know, it's like, how can I find time for me? And you seem to have really been managing that incredibly well. You know, you, you're still managing to compete, as you've said, as an amateur against professionals, which it sounds very easy when you say it quick enough, but it's a tough sport. And, you know, you, you're doing incredibly well. And you're a mum, and you're running a, a six thousand five hundred acre estate with so much going on, and and so much you know, so many plans that you're working on for the future. So if someone was saying, "But I just don't know how to do it. I just can't break through the juggle," have you got any advice for anybody listening in terms of what you think are some key key takeaways to help them to claw back some time for themselves? I think it's just about again putting the right teams around you that enable you to do it and you know that's not just easy because that doesn't come without needing the resource to do that in in a lot of areas because you know in order to part-time ride horses to a high level Mm. you, you need somebody there that can manage them and and ride them in between and so that that does being honest that that's the bit that enables me to carry on doing it uh, because you know Joe, that's that's worked for me for a long, long time, understands how I operate and will help me fit in what I can into the time that I have, yeah. and understands that in the, in the bits in between, she takes over, and I'm able to have somebody else come in and give them a really good training session to keep their fitness and training up in between on the days when I can't. And I think it goes for everything you do. It's about being able to drop one thing, knowing that everything isn't going to fall apart, whether it be a part, part of your business or your home life, or if you're lucky enough to be able to go and do crazy things on horses at the weekends. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the other thing, Nina, I mean, again, the, the most strongest and the most resilient of, of, of women suffer from self-limiting beliefs, and from imposter syndrome. It's something that I've suffered with myself and it's something I come across a lot with my clients. Is it ever anything that you've come come across yourself? And if so, have you got any advice of how anyone listening who may be feeling held back by those feelings can break through? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that all the time about everything I do. And I think it's it's that constant battle of having to, take a step back and actually say, what are the bits that I can add the most value? Which are the bits that I'm 
best at mm. and again the analogy of the horses you might get on one horse and think if only I had time to do this I might get there we'll actually forget that <laughs> focus on the one that does click with you and, mm. and do it well and and at the same time in the business and I think it's been it's been a really tough one with so much changing and so many people changing for me within the business to work out where my time is best spent and I'm not there yet but it, it's about having the right people around you that can challenge you in a really constructive way and say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you burying yourself in the detail down there mm. where you might be able to do it better, but go over there where you can change the dial and make the biggest difference. Yeah. And I think it's where you've kind of come through a system or a lack of system where you've ended up getting too involved with too many things. It's It's getting out of that habit of, my worst habit is wanting to get embroiled in the deepest level of detail because I mm. find it interesting and mm-hmm. actually saying, well, no, let, leave that to somebody else. You might be might be better than you at it or might not be, but you've got to trust people with getting on with the ground level stuff yeah. to be able to take those biggest steps forwards and change the dial of the actual business. Mm. And letting go as well, isn't it? It's about letting go of a lot of baggage, isn't it? And just sort of at, at midlife, it's that stake in the ground and saying, do you know what? I've had enough. I've potentially got more years behind me than I've got in front of me. I've got to, I've got to let this go. And I think sometimes, you know, women can be very hard on themselves, can't they? And and really pitch themselves high. And I think it's, it's like you say, we've also got to give ourselves a bit of a break. But so what, what's next for Nina? What, what, what have you got on your radar? What's the next goal? Have you got any goals or anything that you're, you're aiming for at the moment? Well, I'm still hoping to go and succeed in my ranking class yeah. in the show jumping, which is is a pretty, um, it's too ambitious really for the time I've got and the, the time I get to do the sport. But while William's still young, mm. uh, I've got the opportunity still with a few quiet times in the year where I can go and spend a few weeks away and get away from it and really focus on that. I think within the business, you know, like I just said, we've just had our last key senior team member join us. Mm who's actually heading up our property and leisure part of the of the business, which is the main driving part of the business. Mm. Um, and he's a, you know, ha- got more experience in the corporate world than, than anybody we've ever had join us. So mm. it's an exciting, really exciting time because, as I said to you, we can now sit down as a team and put much braver goals in place for the next five years with the belief that we've got, the key senior team members in place mm. that are capable of knowing who and what resource they need to deliver those goals beneath yeah. them. And that's a that's a very exciting place to be. Mm. I think there's some real key takeaways from this conversation that we've had. And one of the, the, the biggest that I've, I've got is it's about surrounding yourself with the right people, isn't it? You know, you hear that, that that saying of you need to be surrounded by radiators, not drains. And I think what you're saying is in this interview, it's about the importance, isn't it, of being with people who are going to put the wind under your wings and support you. And, and yes, we've got to believe in ourselves, but equally, it's important to have the right people around you, isn't it? And, and how, how do you make sure, because that's a difficult thing, isn't it? That breaking away from maybe people who who aren't necessarily the right people for you because it is quite a hard thing isn't it to sort of take a step back and say actually I need to get myself out of this situation and I need to surround myself without offending I mean how how can people who who are sort of 
a bit stuck and a bit trapped, get away from that sort of negative environment? Because it can be quite challenging, can't it, to to do that? What advice would you have for people who maybe are finding themselves stuck and and they know that they need to get out of it, yeah, and they need to 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 find the right people? It's often easier said than done, isn't it? What advice could you give? Oh, it's been such a tough few years for that because when you're really new to recruitment mm. and the opposite of recruitment, it's it's so hard because, you know, our, I hate to say it, but our strike rate, we've had to bring in so many new people and we haven't made all the right decisions. Mm. And I don't think it's difficult if you have somebody that's not right, that's doing something terrible, that's disingenuous. No, that's not a hard job no. to do. But where you've made some decisions which have involved big life changes for people to join you and then you realize they might be trying their best but they're really not right that's the toughest thing mm-hmm. because they're they're people with families and lives that you're you're messing around with but unfortunately it's it's making the decisions soonest and being brave about it is the only way to progress and and even with a couple of the really experienced people I've brought in at a, even at a chairman level mm. sat next to me we've jointly recruited some people that we thought we were making the absolute right decision and and it's really gone wrong and I think it's about managing that process in the most understanding kind way mm. but not beating yourself up when you make mistakes because you're going to and mm. and I think you know there must but must be statistics out there but if you're recruiting a lot of people they're just not all going to work they're not all going to fit and and when when it becomes really apparent that somebody doesn't fit and they're not towing your line and moving mm. in in your direction, that that's just the most damaging thing, and it brings a lot of good people down with them. Yeah, yeah, and it is about making those decisions quickly, isn't it? And I think that like you said, a, a very interesting thing there as well. It's about not just homing in on failure. You know, failure is such a awful word because there's always lessons to be learned, isn't there? And sometimes people just they think, oh, I've made a mistake, I've failed. And they hang on to it too long, don't they? And I think you've just got to, you know, you've got to cut loose from that, haven't you? And you've just got to say, right, look, I've got to take the lesson and I've got to move on. Otherwise, it doesn't take long for you to start digging yourself into a, a black hole looking at all the blooming mistakes you've made rather than looking at all of the wonderful things you've done. You know, it can sometimes overshadow. And I think you, you have, you've just got to cut quick, haven't you, and and move on. Yeah. And you know? and when you ultimately want want people to like you and to be kind to people sometimes you, you know you're not able to move on in business whilst yeah. maintaining that I know it's, it's a very fine line isn't it it's really difficult I mean it's been an, an absolute joy and unfortunately the time is, is coming to an end but before we close the interview I've got one question that I would like you to to, to do for our audience and really it's about paying forward some of your advice What words of wisdom could you share to someone who is feeling stuck or at a crossroads in their life who is listening to this and they just don't know which way to go, left, right, backwards or forward? What would you suggest to them they should do? I think never be afraid of of taking a step back and going and reaching out for advice or help at the same time as being very open-minded to making big changes in their lives of how they've done things and, and and considering starting some new things and stopping doing some things which end up just being damaging to to yourself and and how you operate and 
and that's been you know through the last five years with conversations with yourself Sarah with with Nikki from the Jupiter company with mm. Gaurav our chairman yeah. and and lots of the people that you know joined the business mm. and have been really positive it's it, it is it's it's about being brave and doing something different yeah, absolutely. What wonderful advice. And I also think that sometimes there's too much pressure on what do you want? What do you want? And sometimes I think it's a lot easier to think, what I, do I not want? What do I not want? You know, and, and start ticking off a list of, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And then actually to find what you do want instead. And that sometimes can help you break through much quicker, can't it? So Nina, all I want to do is to wish you the very best and to thank you so much for joining us on Formidable Over 40. It's been an absolute pleasure to see you again. Thanks, Sarah. And for anybody who'd like to learn more about what we're doing here at Bowlsworth, both in terms of the estate and the events that we're running, just head down to bowlsworth.com and you'll find all the information there. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Nina. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, thank you so much, Nina. So thank you for listening to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. Thank you so much again, Nina, for joining us and for sharing all of your absolute words of wisdom. You can find out more information about the things we've discussed on this episode in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. And please do share this podcast with anyone you think will enjoy it or needs to hear it.